Hey, what's up, tribe? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the TFC Audio Project Down Under. This week, I chat with Jason Dick, who is the owner and the head coach of Earn the Right Gym in Perth, which was the location for our workshop and seminar over the weekend. Throughout the episode, we chat through Jason's journey with sports, training, and some impressively severe injuries. We talk about how his approach to coaching has evolved as a result of his experiences, some key principles for improving shoulder health, which is his major area of interest, and the importance of having a community with shared values around movement and life. This week's episode is brought to you by TFC Events. We've just wrapped up our tour of Hobart, Adelaide and Perth where we took our Grand Up seminar for the first time across the country along with our Feet Balance and Play Workshop. We want to say a big thank you to everyone who came along over the last couple of weeks. It was a heap of fun getting to see all those cities and meet some incredible human beings. The Ground Up seminar that we did run in those three cities will also be coming to Brisbane, Sydney and Melbourne over the coming months, so stay tuned on dates for those. We're also really excited about a new digital offering that will be coming soon. We captured the Feet Balance and Play workshop that we ran at Earn the Right in Perth last weekend and we'll be getting that up online as soon as possible. So if you're keen to watch that one online, sign up to TFC Tribe through our website under the Tribe banner at tfc-shopaus.com to find out when it drops. So, Jason, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, mate. No worries. Thanks, James. Um, so, we're sitting here in your awesome facility, Earn the Right, uh, ahead of our workshops and seminars this weekend. So, we've got the full day seminar tomorrow and then the workshop on Sunday. Um, so, yeah, we're excited to be back in Perth and this is our first um, seminar tour here and, and the first time at your gym. So, we really appreciate you having us along. Yeah, no worries. It's exciting to have you guys here. I mean, uh, we haven't had a workshop in over 12 months, so... Yeah, true. <laughs> and people in Perth usually say, oh, no one ever comes to Perth for workshops. Is that a thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah it is. Huge. It's, huge thing. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit of a... It's a a decent way to travel but I do really like the city and we just fortunately it was supposed to be raining the whole time we were here but fortunately today we got a good bit of sun and went to the beach and the beaches are awesome nice nice yes. yeah perfect beaches um so usually I just like to start these off by you telling us a bit about yourself um like who you are what you do why you do it um like we were saying just a bit of an elevator pitch kind of thing yeah, yeah, um, cool. and then we can yeah just flow from there and explore it all a bit deeper yeah, easy. Like uh, I earn earn the right, so I'll dive into like why I earn the right, and that kind of completes my story. I'm keen to dive uh, into that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I started off as a phys ed teacher, right? Mm. Uh, did that after school, and and then uh, always on personal training uh, since then, and then kind of got into teaching six months, and I was like, ah, I don't really want to do that. So continued on with the personal training, and you know, wanted to change lives and do all that kind of stuff, and. Um, Got into obviously uh, you know the bodybuilding style of training, which yep. was this is back in the two thousands now before Instagram, before YouTube, oh, right, it was all right. big and you know because OG days. Well, like, yeah, <laughs> like, you know there wasn't really many other modalities of training that you had access to back mm. then. So mm. um, for me, I was always a footballer and a, I used to race BMX as well, so a power athlete, but also endurance running and football skills and stuff. Um, and when I was 15, I, I stacked my bike racing BMX pretty bad and uh, I had to go to hospital, thought I cracked my hips, all that kind of stuff. Jeez. So that then, unknowingly to me, that trauma ca caused a cascade effect of like for the rest of my life in terms of when I tried to perform and push my body, 
uh, I would have a little niggle or an injury mm. or something pop up. And I'm always asking this question, oh, why, why this now? Why this? What, what's next? <laughs> um, so, you know, after BMX, I had to, I gave that up, kept going with football, got a lot of injuries through football. Um, and they weren't necessarily like impact injuries, they were just soft tissue stuff, mm-hmm. just from overuse. I'm like, what's going on here? No one could really give me a clear answer, like all the people that I was going to see. And then gave up football, took up triathlons, did uh, train for the Ironman, so the Boston Ironman, uh, which is down south here, and did that, trained for that in 12 months, did that. Um, same process, got another injury to my shoulder um, when right. I was swimming. And um, yeah, just more injuries in terms of foot specific. I got a, well, I thought it was a stress fracture in my foot. Um, could have been a whole lot of other different things. Never really got it checked out, but it's been one of those things uh, where, like, I'll have one thing go on, and then because there's so much going on for my body from the first trauma that I kept training and building on top of, that if I go see someone, uh, they'll just look at the where that part is and not necessarily look at the whole system. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm very um, vigilant of who I see. And um, making sure that obviously, you know, they're looking at everything and taking everything into consideration for whatever I was experiencing. Um, and then after the, the Ironman, I, uh, I gave up running and riding and swimming for a while <laughs> and took up the bodybuilding thing. Because I noticed I didn't have a lat on my left side when I t- hit my shoulder. Took up bodybuilding and uh, proceeded to got bigger and stronger. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was 24, 25, you know, you gotta gotta do it. Right. (laughs) And yeah, woke up one morning, lost use of my legs, spine subluxed. Seriously. Yeah. So, uh, literally could not get out of bed. So couldn't use my legs. Um, luckily there was a chiropractor 200 meters down the road for me that I shuffled my way to like extreme pain. Um, that managed to get me to be able to walk somewhat but yeah it was a interesting experience that lasted three to six months of me learning how to confidently walk again wow like whoa knowing that your foot is gonna be there when you want it to be there <laughs> not just falling on your face um and at the same time of that period i lost use of my hand as well so i was just doing a whole lot of like strong lifting heavy lifting and just kept smashing my body more and more and unknowing to me just putting more stress into it uh, on top of all the injuries that I've already had. Um, and I, was, I thought I was knowledgeable then. And I was like, <laughs> you know, you're always humbled by all that kind of stuff. So I, uh, what did I do then? Yeah, I gave up. I <laughs> just gave up completely. Tried to leave the industry. And then two years later, after like not doing any exercise at all, I then uh, went to, uh, flew over to the US because I was, I, was, I was asking people all around the world, like, what? Where's, what's the answer here? What's going on with, with my body? But a lot of other people that I was, I was looking at, same as like you, you know, you, you're trying to help people do a deadlift and you're asking questions like, why can't they do this? Mm. Same for me with my body. And, and then um, flew over to the US a couple of times and one of the coaches over there said, you know, you've got to earn the right to lift the weights. And it was like he just struck a knife through my heart and I was like, that's, that's, that's what I haven't been doing. And yeah. as a 25-year-old male, you, you know, you can't really be told what you're doing right or wrong. <laughs> but uh, I, was, I was at a point in my life where I was, uh, yeah, humbled by that and then came back and just really started diving into what was the most right. What was the most right? Um, I explained it like a multiple choice questionnaire. In your, when you're in high school, right? Might be maths, might be something else. Yeah, yeah. There's one right answer, but there's one more right answer. 
I used to hate that. I used oh, to hate that. Oh, yeah, yeah. The it's old like, trick question. I got it right, but I didn't get it right. <laughs> Not right enough. <laughs> it's like, you were right, but you were still wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like that's what the a lot of the fitness industry is built on. It's mm. like, we're all doing the right things by getting people moving better or moving. At least, um, yeah. But we're doing almost the wrong thing at the same time by teaching people these these principles that aren't quite like 100% correct. Um, and it's because, you know, we're in a young industry and still learning. And that's, that's literally just been the journey for me. And mm-hmm. what we do here now at Earn the Right is just teach people how to, number one, move better um, and then how to be strong with that and whatever that looks like in their life. Because everybody doesn't want to just necessarily lift heavy stuff or play or, you know, roll around on the ground and breathe. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's, it's adapting that, whatever the person wants to do, you know, whether they're an athlete or whether they just want to be, you know, wake up without pain is a huge part of it for a lot yeah. of people man what a journey that that's that's intense that was a short story <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's the shortened version exactly i mean you clearly um yeah that's i can only imagine what that would have felt like waking up and not being able to walk properly and then actually yeah. having to go through that full rehab process as well mm. so you'd um what was the specific injury that you'd done l4 l5 like sublarks so yeah Spine. And it, was it from say like a deadlift or a squat the day like the day before or was it? Do you know? If you, are, if you asked me when I did it, I would have been like it, it was because this this chiropractor told me to do X Y Z. Mm. Right upon reflection, it's like well no, I I had since I was fifteen because uh, I had to go to hospital X ray on the pelvis. My pelvis was out of whack from that impact. Yeah. So they thought I cracked my hips, but I didn't. But um, I've still got a bruised, like, scar tissue on my hip from that impact, which I only realised, like, now. Huh. Um, and in the last 12 months, kind of been exploring that. But up until then, I hadn't really had an awareness of that. Um, so what I re- realise now is, like, okay, for 10 years, I was lifting with a hip that was different, a left hip different to my right hip. And what I know now is that uh, pelvis that's out of whack is going to cause the spine to change or move or twist or rotate whatever it is um and that's even though i even though i'd done all my lifting certs and you know weightlifting and all that stuff um which i thought i knew what i was doing really well i didn't know this part of it that was like you know 15 years before is now affecting me now mm-hmm. and that's where people that think like you know, runners that have rolled an ankle. Everybody's almost rolled an ankle at some point in their time. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, I rolled this ankle 20 years ago. But that's just not a thing now. I'm like, oh, sure? hang on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's probably everything right now. And uh, that was certainly a thing for me as well. Like if I go back to 15, 16 playing football, I, I tore bone off my ankle mm. from rolling it. And mm-hmm. that was like three weeks just of not walking. Um, I even got a, uh, a job in a shoe fitting specialist store, like running shoe, huh. to f- try and figure out what was going on with my feet and my calves when I was running a lot. I was getting like shin splints and stuff. And I was like, what's going on here? And, you know, you talk to podiatrists, you talk to physios, you talk to all these people and they just give you like either spot fixes or different perspective, but not the whole, whole perspective. And yeah. it's like, obviously, you know, it takes a long time to explain all this stuff at 100%, but... Yeah, I wish, uh, I wish I, you know, the whole journey was like, if what I knew now, I applied back then, yeah, yeah, much different. And that's, that's what I love doing for kids these days. It's like, just give them the opportunity that 
well, I know I didn't have because of you know, the lack of knowledge of either myself or the people that I, I sought out. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's a lot in that. And I want to come back to a few different topics and I'm going to try and keep track of them in my mind. But what you said about you know, previous injuries having a flow-on effect throughout the rest of the body and the body really is a master compensator. Like it's amazing how much the body can compensate to, to get things done basically. Like the, mm. the body or the brain or you know, the, the, the organism wants to be effective. Like it, wanna, it wants to complete certain tasks. Um, and if say you roll an ankle or you have that um, injury, like you said, to your hip from the BMX injury, um, then you, your movement patterns can change and then your body gets in this habit of compensating for that change of movement pattern basically and then um, I mean there's also other elements that come into it like there's a book called The Body Keeps the Score and all about how emotional trauma will affect you know, the, the body and, and movement patterns and everything as well um, and how sensitive the body is but it's, I think it, it's awesome to be really grateful or like have gratitude for the body for the fact that it can compensate so well and you can get through get through your day and do various things but also really respect the fact that there's a limit to how much you can layer onto that compensation so if you start doing really high load things um on an ankle that's stiff because you rolled it um then you know like which is exactly what i did actually uh, i ended up with you know really significant um chronic knee pain for about two or three years before i figured out um how to resolve that and a lot of that came through um fixing my breath fixing you know my actual core mechanics mm. and then layering on strength but if i was just layering on strength um then i kept hitting a wall and, and being in pain so it's you're right it is really about that uh, holistic look at the body and understanding that it's all connected and and that's you know we start at the feet but you can really start anywhere as long as you look at the whole system and how it's integrating together yeah that's cool one and, one thing that resonates with that is like the day that i i realized that i wasn't strong mm, mm. oh man it's a humbling you thought day. you were big and strong and muscly and all of that <laughs> and then you know like a typical one these days is you you look at all like gymnasts and I don't know, ballerinas even, and it's like they're doing stuff with their body in different ways and, you know, that I, I as a strong young male, <laughs> wouldn't have even been close to doing. And, like, you know, understanding that doing pull-ups, like for gymnasts, for example, that's just the start of their routine. It's not the goal of their routine to do mm. lots of pull-ups. Like, but, you know, you go to a gym and it's like the goal is to do pull-ups. Like, mm. lots of pull-ups. Oh, great. <laughs> um, but it's like strength is... Uh, based on you know, uh, re respective of what the, the goal is, right? So, you know, if the goal is for a, just a normal person to sit behind a desk, then they're not going to want to do a, a muscle-up necessarily or, you know, get on top of a bar or snatch or basically go for a run. So, you, you know, you've got to change your... Change the way you enter the conversations and in introduce movement, introduce strength, obviously, to different people. Uh, based on where they're at and make sure well from my perspective i'm trying to make meet them where they're at and then bring them on my journey mm. <laughs> not necessarily take them down a path that is going to destroy them more yeah yeah you just because definitely they, have yeah. to meet people where they're at because if you don't usually they're not gonna stick with whatever it is that you you know 
like they're there to get help from you. Um, and I found this with physio and stuff, but if you overwhelm them with all these things that they're not prepared for and you're not meeting where, them where they're at, then usually it's an unsustainable journey anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that really resonates. And um, I'm interested, so you were saying that you took a, a more holistic approach to your body and obviously you... Um, by the sound of it, you feel stronger and that you're moving better and um, just more functional than possibly ever before. Um, <laughs> possibly. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, um, and obviously it's been a journey for you. I'm interested, like, what what you feel... Obviously, it would be a, a number of different factors, but which factors were, like, the biggest things in terms of your understanding of... Um, more of that holistic approach like obviously now i can see you're wearing barefoot shoes and you're hosting us mm. um so was the the feet part of it was the breath part of it was it um yeah there were a few big ones um oh, i need to think back actually breathing became a big part of it when um yeah that was about a year before i dislocated my shoulder <laughs> that was the last part of it okay. uh yeah breathing learning from powerlifters yeah because uh, when you go to the extremes of human performance, if you look at what they do and how they do it, I mean, they have to do it right because there's no way you can get to their level without doing it right. Mm -hmm. Everybody who's tried to get to that level without doing it right will break themselves significantly along that journey. So yeah. the elite of anything in the world is they're doing it right. Well, to whatever right is, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. They're doing something, right? They're doing something, right? Yeah. They've got something together that uh, at that point in time is the best in the world, right? Yes, So yeah. um, that's where I learned some breathing stuff from them. I learned some breathing stuff from um, some BJJ guys. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned before about like uh, adaptation and how the body compensates. Uh, I'm always talking about adaptation and survival, Body's constantly, the, the foot is constantly adapting, mm -hmm. constantly to flat ground in not such a great way and to shoes, soft cushy shoes in, in not a great way as well. So um, from a survival perspective, you know, learning the breathing aspect of it from if you're in a, a fight, a BJJ fight, and uh, the guy is choking you out, <laughs> like, what can you do about it? Are you going to freak out, you know, hyperventilate, um, and just tense up and lock up and you know if you're looking at it from a neurology perspective what happens when your body's frightened it tenses up it closes up your breath becomes shorter faster and you know you've got to get more oxygen in versus if you're a deep sea diver the objective is to hold the breath slow the breath down utilize as much as of the breath so becoming efficient at using your breath to perform the task mm. so it's like from a survival perspective you've got this yin and yang of what the breath can do and it's like well wow if the breath is that powerful uh then what what was i missing that was the first big question what am i missing here and i remember just trying to squat again just breathing properly you know you're doing, using the diaphragm understanding how where you are where you're breathing into um i couldn't even squat with a 20 kilo bar on my back <laughs> it was just too much so much that i had to think about before I'd even squat. <laughs> um, and that's the learning process that I went through, like, for everything. It's just you got to go through this confused stage, that's, and that's the learning phase. Yeah. Same as anything. It's how we learn in life. 
if you're confused, it's good because you're learning. Um, it's just it's painful because you don't get it yet. <laughs> um, so that was like breathing was a big part of it. The foot stuff, um, where did I get that from the first? I think it was when I got on board with like some anatomy trains guys. Mm-hmm. Um, started looking into that stuff. And I did a couple of different workshops around that stuff and um, really made me understand like or look at my feet because nobody's ever, nobody in my time ever looked at how I was walking to determine how my spine was operating and or would be the cause of or what biomechanically I had to do up the chain. So I started, uh, I read a book also, Born to Walk is a good one. Yeah, right, yeah. James I've Ewell. got it. It's pretty, it's pretty in-depth, that one. I but love it. He, like he, um, he draws on all the anatomy train stuff, hey, yeah, to, yeah, yeah, but yeah. applies it to the gait cycle. Correct. Yeah. So it's like that. Um, I remember I was reading it down south at Marga River one day, and I'm like, wow, this is awesome. I, you know, I can pick up these concepts and apply them. Sim- so it's simple enough for me to apply them. Uh, well, first to understand them and then to apply them. So how he wrote that book was really like, to me, it was like, wow, this is, this is mm. cool stuff. And mm. um, some simple stuff that you can apply there. And then, yeah, just kept diving into that stuff. And um, especially with my feet, I've been really confused about my feet. Still confused. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just all that. Like I, I dropped a, kettle, a 12 kilo kettlebell. I didn't drop it. It rolled out the back of my car onto my t- big Ooh. toe. So it was a 12 kilos on, oh, onto my big toe. That, um, that stopped me from walking on my big toe for six months. Because I'd get like That's nerve nasty. pain every time yeah. I tried to like push off that big toe, and then I didn't realize that that had, that had also added to my stuff. Um, a few years later, I was like, "Why can't I still bend that toe, or why do I still hesitate mm. to use that toe when I'm like pushing off?" And the body so, keeps the score. Man, it's not. It's <laughs> yeah. It, I, don't, I don't have any issues with it now. But then I went and dropped a piece of wood on it six months ago. I'm like. Mm. <laughs> Still got my toenail, but it's black. Jeez. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. So uh, that was interesting. And then um, my right foot, yeah, I think I've got like a, I don't know, some sort of thing going on with my, my toe knuckles, which I'm still trying to figure out. And it's probably due to the, the rolling of the ankle and mechanics that I built up for that. I mean, running on a, running a marathon with ankles that aren't great isn't necessarily good for you. So mm, I did a mm. lot of Ks to cause all this pain and issues. So... Undoing it is going to take some time as well. Mm-hmm. Let's um, chat about your shoulder because you mentioned your shoulder dislocation yep. injury. You've had a fair few injuries, haven't you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Possibly more than most. Um, <laughs> I mean, I've, I've had my fair share, but um, <laughs> so because I know that you're obviously sort of the shoulder guy um, yep. and you run uh, even uh, workshops and stuff around shoulders and did all of that come from that shoulder injury or were you already interested in it all? And just talk to me about that. Yeah. So like I, I did the Ironman in 2009. So 12 years ago now and a few months out when I was swimming, I was swimming with paddles on getting, building up the power in my swim stroke. And I, I'm not a swimmer. I'm a rock. I just, I, first swimming session I did was 400 meters long. <laughs> right. And uh, to, in 12 months to build up to 4Ks, that was like a huge thing for me. But a couple of months out, um, I felt like my Terry's minor when I was pulling through on the paddles and um, that was kind of the start of my shoulder issues still swam with it still rode with it still did that I did the half Ironman in 2010 um, so you know you just you keep going because that's what was drilled into me as well and that's a mindset that you know we can talk about as well like yeah. n- you know pain no no gain right yeah. go hard or go home and that was what was drilled into me just through my sports um, so yeah I kept going with that and then uh, 
Had a lot of pain. A lot of pain. A lot of sh- shoulder pain. A lot of pain. You know, we talked about survival before. I got to a point where I'd built up so much pain in this hand that I, when I was holding something, I didn't know I was holding it. I would have to look at like a, a coffee cup to know I was holding the coffee cup because I couldn't actually apply strength. You know how you see those robotic arms like opening mm-hmm. and closing the hands? It felt like that, that like, you know, something else was controlling it. Do you, was that, do you think more a nerve thing that was going on or do you think it was, yeah, so not necessarily just from the fact, was the whole arm and hand in pain all the time or was it like, yeah. I mean, it would have been a bit, a bit of both. If a bit it, few past that. So like initially again, like, uh, you know, at the time it was like, cause my elbow was so painful. I had like golf's elbow, tennis elbow, which was causing pain down into mm-hmm. my arm. Um, at the same time I had pain going up from my shoulder into my jaw. Yeah. So eating became non-enjoyable i'm like now this this is becoming a survival thing yeah <laughs> i need to eat well <laughs> like, hang on my shoulder my shoulder pain is becoming a survival thing so um i was seeing chiros i was seeing physios none of them could really complete the picture mm. uh and you know 10 years later now what i recognize is like yeah it was from when i was 15 i landed on my head in that crash same crash i landed on my uh-huh. head it knocked me out um, uh, yes, landed on the left shoulder and the neck at the same time. If I knocked myself out and then, you know, they, they walked me off, which you're not supposed to do. <laughs> Remember that the other day. Um, yeah, like you're talking about nerve impingement and from the cervical spine, whatever trauma I did to that neck and, and the shoulder at the same time, um, when I started to really push it. Like obviously the nerve signals weren't getting through somewhere in my in my arm, um, and that's where it's yes yeah, it starts off as either nerve and or fascial and or muscular and yeah, it's a two way street with your hand so information that's coming from your fingertips up to your brain if it's not going that way and it's not coming back out then yeah I was getting it at both ends some kind of nerve compression going on yeah yeah, yeah it started off as like that and and then even like bone joint. Um, so like joint subluxation, you know, just pushing my, my shoulders back into their sockets mm. was a thing that I used to do or I, I can't do it very easily anymore. Like they're stronger now, but yeah, it's like a, it was really like painful experience to just to recenter my shoulder, the humeral mm-hmm. head into the socket. So it's a common thing. Uh, I didn't know that it was so common for a lot of people yeah. just because of the postures that we adopt these days. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was a that was the experience, and then then I dislocated my shoulder. Um, after all that pain, <laughs> Jeez, I was ooh, like, "How was that?" That is true. So after like or just before I dislocated my shoulder, I was I was like on the mend. I was like, "Oh, this is cool." I was learning the breathing stuff. Yeah, I was learning, like, okay. Good strength principles and good movement. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna get better now. I'm gonna, this is gonna be good." <laughs> uh, and then I dislocated my shoulder. Ah, like, oh. how? Uh, I was. I was <laughs> being a, a, a dumbass at uh, my Bucks weekend oh. <laughs> down south there's a lot of stuff that goes on down south shenanigans um, yeah I was, I was down south um, sumo suits were involved and it was <laughs> okay. like grand final weekend and, and yeah was, enough said yeah and then I, I had my physio there at the time so he strapped me back up and we just kept partying on and yeah, it was a it was a pretty hectic weekend, and then they made me dr- oh, they made me sleep on the top bunk as well, bastards. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to climb up with one arm and climb down with one arm oh. in the middle of the night, and then like, and then I had to drive drive the car home the next day. So right. that was a fun time. Um, but that was that was that was the start of the shoulder guy journey. Yeah. Um, I just started documenting 
what I was doing to get better. Um, number one, because I was, I was already confused about my shoulders. Uh, as in like, where should they be? What should they be mm. doing? What should they be feeling like? Because um, I had had shoulder problems when I was a teenager, just like sublocations and things like that. Um, and through footy, um, but never really anything significant. And this was just like back to zero. Like couldn't even use the arm. Mm-mm. And um, just building that back up took, yeah, 12 to 18 months for me to properly be able to use it confidently again. Uh, like pull-ups and overhead presses. I was, I was told at the time, like physio, I was, had a slap tear in my shoulder and some other things going on. So they actually said that I wouldn't be able to do pull-ups again pain-free. I'm like, well, I couldn't do pull-ups before pain-free, so you know, this is not going to be a, a worry for me. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what it feels like to do a pull-up not pain-free. Did they say you'd never be able to do a pull-up pain-free? Yeah. All right. <laughs> and, and, and overhead presses and stuff like that. And I was yeah. like, well, yeah. Isn't that an interesting thing to tell someone? It is. Such a, such a, a, limiting, a limiting mindset. You'll never be able to do this pain-free. It, it's mm. sort of... Anyway, we can get back to that later. Oh, yeah, but it's a common thing. <laughs> it, but, is very, um, it is very common. You're right. Yeah, but then I, you know, I took that as a challenge. So yeah, whether, whether he said that um, you know, deliberately to, to motivate <laughs> me, you know, I'm like, oh, well, he's, I'm could, hoping... he could be a really good physio. <laughs> oh, I don't know, but um, yeah. Yeah, so, so that motivated me to, to take that as a challenge. Like, okay, cool. Well, if I start learning all this stuff and apply this stuff, like, what can I do with it? And yeah got out of pain and like I'm so super happy these days that I I, I do not wake up in pain. It's like mm. amazing. Mm. This is the best days of my life when I, you don't wake up in pain every day. Um, and then I can actually, you know, still do things with my body when I want to do them. That's like, I think, you know, that's having options in life because when I was so injured in so much pain, <laughs> I always remember this and people tell me still, like you go into the, you go into all these people different practitioners they're telling you don't do this don't do that don't do that don't go for a run don't do this <laughs> and your list of stuff that you can do gets shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter over the years yeah and stuff that you know that will hurt you you just completely avoid before you've even tried so that whole negative self-talk it's just like keep, keeps you in your box keeps you depressed and all that sort of yeah, stuff feel, and, feel like, that. Yeah. and then like my list got to like one exercise <laughs> true i was just like i can't do anything without something without the fear of something in my body going crazy like you know feeling it the next day or like oh i shouldn't have done that it's bruised or you know pain so yeah that was a interesting experience coming out of that and just these days i'm super appreciative that no pain is nice oh man yeah and i really feel you with that and i've talked about my knee journey on the podcast before and just how how restrictive and, and depressing it is to that almost that anticipatory like oh I can't do that because that'll flare up my knees oh, I can't go down to the park and throw a frisbee or I can't go down and you know go for a rock climb or anything basically so you pay for it the next few days yeah right? it's like I just don't want to flare it up just don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah I really I do really feel you with that um, and along that journey I imagine obviously there would be a huge number of factors and you, you would have learnt so much about shoulders and shoulder health and everything. Do you think, is there like a few key things that uh, either for you or for listeners that you think need to be a part of a shoulder program or you know certain things that people can focus on if they do have um, shoulder pain or shoulder issues or anything like that? 
Yeah, it's it's not just looking at the shoulder. Yeah, the biggest thing is yeah. it's uh, like yeah, I I have a lot of thi- like fixing shoulder pain is qu- really easy. Like snap your fingers, it can be it can come that quickly and it can go away that quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, changing it for long term is much much more of a holistic view. No, it's a it's not hard. It is harder. You need a lot more knowledge of the whole body. So it's not just a shoulder issue. It's like yeah. it's a rib cage position thing, and it's a pelvis position, and it's foot position, and ankles, and all. That. <laughs> so this is what like I, I typically start with people. Like a lot of people come to me with shoulder problems, and um, I was just doing a live on this today when you guys walked yeah. in. Like uh, okay, like look at your rib cage position, and you know if you got one shoulder up near your ear. And the other one's like depressed, then okay, it's not necessarily a shoulder issue. It's a ribcage position issue, which your shoulders are just responding to. Mm-hmm. So, and then if you think about what's causing the ribcage position, then it would be the pelvis position. And then what's causing the pelvis position is a ankle position and a foot position. Yeah, and there's, there's constant um, back and forth between all of these areas as well. Yeah. You know, it's like, the foot and ankle are affected by the pelvis and they also affect the pelvis. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, there's a lot of stuff going on. So don't just look at the shoulder. That's a really good piece of advice. And I would, I would apply that to anything in the body. Don't just <laughs> look at that body pack, body part. In fact, the more you solely focus on the one area, the mm. less likely you are to get better in the long run, I think. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, what about like movements wise? Like for my, myself, I did have a shoulder, a chronic shoulder injury only about six months but it ended up being um, resolved through a combination of um, thoracic mobility mm-hmm. um, so some specific mobilizations and also just my own thoracic movement mobility practice I suppose um, along with a lot of hanging and handstands really sort of seem to solve it long term nice. um, what do you think about hanging like I know hanging gets a good a good bit of spotlight these days for shoulder health what, yeah. what's your thoughts yeah, that's that's definitely where we start first for most people. Mm-hmm. Um, the as you were speaking there, you know, the underlying principle that I would apply to explain that concept is how how to create space in the shoulder, right? So we know pain is from is caused by compressed joints, right? So, yeah, right. probably a little more nuanced, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, right? Um, <laughs> but that's a whole other topic in itself. Yeah, it's, it's a rabbit exactly. hole. Yeah. Um, I certainly know from my spine experiences, like if your spine's compressed, it freaking hurts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it lets you know that. Um, so if you if you create space in any joints, just like you guys with toe spaces, mm. I love that toe <laughs> spaces, right? Yeah, you sp- give space to the joints, and they get happier. Yeah, <laughs> just like move it, move it through its range of motion, and, and correct, and, and yeah, restore it to a, a more. I mean, I, people sort of get triggered by the word natural, but a more natural alignment and posture is, is you know, a, a good start. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then that's where you Providing move on space. to like self-limiting exercises and things like that, which mm-hmm. hanging is. It's mm-hmm. like, can't make you hang more than you can hang. Yeah. Right. So um, hanging is, is, yeah, the fundamental for a lot of people with shoulder issues. Um, and it, it is just teaching them how to, number one, increase that range of motion that they have, the capacity that they have. Uh, and then you work to increase that capacity short range and then long range. Um, and then, you know, as you build that awareness through that space, then the shoulder just changes how it operates. Like mm. it's a wonderful experience. Yeah. Um, along with, you know, a thoracic spine and, and pelvis and everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like that would be the biggest concept is just creating space 
um, with in terms of movement, a lot of people, you know, you might go at some point in time. We've all been given an external rotator cuff exercise <laughs> to, oh, yeah. to, yep. to fix our shoulder, and um, there's no point in doing that if the the muscles that are speaking to those rotator cuffs aren't operational. Mm. It's like you're trying to strengthen something that's already doing all the work. Why would you do that? Mm. Like, uh, so <laughs> some misconceptions there about what to strengthen and why. Yeah. Plus a big part of the rotator cuff is stabilizing the shoulder under load, right? And so, you know, it's not necessarily just f- for rotating the shoulder. And yeah. so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the shoulder itself, such a cool joint. Like I love it because it's, you know, three bones floating. Yeah, it's, it's only, pretty epic. One mechanical attachment point right here. It's like the smallest <laughs> thing, right? So uh, it's a big majority of it is controlled by proprioception, like how your brain knows where your shoulders are in space and time. And because we can't see the scapulars, who's got a, who's got a good map of like every single muscle they got at the back mm. compared to what you can see in the mirror. Yeah. <laughs> Ask yeah. any guy, you know. That's the classic every gym bro. That, yeah, knows every muscle in the front, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, like, uh, that would be wicked, like getting more um, musculature awareness in the back has just been a really big focus for me. And the more people I see, the more people it's true for as well. It's just, hey, did you know that this muscle's not working? Did you know that you should be able to get your scapula down in this position and, and move it this way? It's like, oh, no. You know, you can do it with this shoulder. Why can't you do it with that shoulder? Mm. So there's a lot of uh, lot of that, like just trying to teach people where they are and then find, uh, trying to figure out how to get them to where they want to go. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really, with shoulders and, and I would say almost everything, it really does come back down to really having a good grasp and, and mastering the fundamentals and the foundations, mm. right? And also... Like we, we talked about how the body is an amazing compensator and adapter and, and how, you know, injuries, it's, the body's also a master healer. Like its purpose mm. is to heal things properly so that you don't have issues in the future. However, our environment with such a lack of natural movement, like we don't need to move for our food anymore. We don't need to <laughs> climb up trees. We don't need to, you know, throw as much and... We're not getting this exposure, you know, we don't need to squat as much or like we're even discouraged from squatting through chairs and toilets and cars and all this stuff. And we're not walking anywhere near as much as we would in a natural environment. And so given the right conditions, the body should bounce back from an injury, possibly even stronger than it was. But because our whole culture and society is set up for sedentarism, essentially, we'll have an injury and then it will wreak havoc on, you know, or it can wreak havoc, I won't say it will, but it can wreak havoc on uh, other areas of the body and just our whole general function for a lot longer than it should because we're not providing the stimulus and the inputs that the body actually needs to recover from that. Mm. Um, and do you, how much do you... Like, obviously, there's a big role for... Um, like you say, providing space and doing hanging drills and looking at the whole body, uh, in integrating that into functional movements and so, mu- and so on. But um, like, for instance, with feet and ankles and hips, what I talk about in terms of a lifestyle practice is sit on the ground, like be on the ground. Um, and we spoke briefly about this yesterday when we caught up. Um, but 
you know, I see people mobilizing their ankles and mobilizing their hips and doing these, you know, functional mobility drills and all of that, which is great. But if they just spent eight hours on sitting on the ground instead of eight hours sitting in a chair, they probably wouldn't have to do all of that. And I don't do like very much mobility work at mm. all, but I do spend a lot of time on the ground and I maintain what looks like extreme mobility in these deep squat ranges and things like that but I don't work on them Mm. is it like could you apply that to the shoulder or you know is are there certain lifestyle things I mean I mean I think even just being on the ground is great for shoulders as well (laughs) in terms of you know stabilizing and supporting but um is there like an analogous thing for the shoulder yeah so there is a, a couple of points that uh came to mind with that so like what you talk about for healing um, the the bit of the stress bucket. Oh yeah. So if you got ten points that you can throw into that bucket, whatever the points are, sand, water. Um, the the point is the bucket will only fit so much. And if you've got work stress, family stress, physical stress, whether it's old injuries, whether it's you're exhausted, sleep, yeah, stress, sleep stress, caffeine yeah. stress, add in some alcohol, so nutrition stress, gut health stress. Your bucket's already full just trying to deal with all that stuff. Like, then you're going to think you're going to go to the gym and absolutely smash yourself and mm. obliterate yourself four times a week and think you're going to get better. <laughs> it's yeah. just, it's, True. That's not going to heal, right? Um, your body, yeah, you've got to give it space to heal. I think that's a bit, it was a big part of my journey as well is like not, not training every day, um, one, my mind is more at peace because I don't beat myself up for not training. Um, so that's a mindset thing. And mm-hmm. then my body's also happier because it, it can just heal and I just, I just learn to communicate with it better because yeah. I listen to it the next day instead of just going to smash it again the next day. <laughs> um, and just being like, oh, well, that, that was a good thing for us. Awesome. Let's do that again tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, the old, old saying is train smarter, not harder. When you remove the stress from the system, I was actually speaking to this about my client this morning. It's like um, if somebody goes and sits behind a desk every single day, then that's a stress to the system. It's a stress to the system because they're not moving, as mm-hmm. you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, the body's built for movement. Um, so if we're not moving, it, it is a stress. Laying on a bed for a long period of time is a stress to the system. It br- starts to break down. So uh, a lot of the process initially for for people is to remove whatever is the main contributing stress to their situation so if it is sitting behind a desk obviously we can't say hey tell your boss that you're no longer sitting behind a desk these days it's a bit easier because standing desks um and even people Uh going from home i'm always an advocate of kneeling while they're having a bit of desk kneeling and half kneeling and yeah. Just moving around, right? The concept is movement. Variability. Um, Ten years ago, I used to tell people like, oh, you know, just see if you can sit on a fit ball at work. They always used to come back to me and know that's a health and safety issue. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you're kidding. <laughs> you go back to your boss in 30, 40 years in time when you can't walk because your spine's effed yeah. up. That's and you say, hey, safe. I've got some health and safety issues I want to discuss with you. They're, you know, they're not going to have a part of it. So, yeah, that yeah. was <laughs> yeah. first part to the stress. What was the second part to the shoulder? Um, yeah, like whether, yeah, whether there's any habitual position. Like, I mean, hanging is a good one. Like, I spend 
like habitually spend time hanging especially mm. when i'm at home like a I guess any environmental things that you recommend or lifestyle things for shoulder health. Like for me, I always talk about have something that you can hang from in your home, nice. in your immediate space, because when you see it, you go, oh, yeah, I'm going to hang from that. Yeah, cool. But if you don't have something there or it's not obvious, then you never think yeah. to hang. And similarly with the ground, have some mats set up or at least a yoga mat or something that makes the ground a little more inviting than just tiles or carpet yeah, yeah. or you know something like that and then oh, all of a sudden you're like oh i'm gonna sit on the ground rather than sitting in the chair because i've got my mats set up yeah um they might not be but <laughs> we, we just got a new bed which is higher um, than we had before okay and i'm like i'm like in this mindset that when i go camping i'm, I'm my spine's pretty happy yeah so i'm like like I'm laying on the ground, soft, squishy thing, and like you know. And if we go lay in different beds, doing the Airbnb thing, it's like my spine, somewhat happier in a different bed. And we had an old mattress, so it was a pretty old mattress, and um, <laughs> wasn't great for us either. So we've got this new mattress, but it's higher up off the ground. I'm like, I almost have to get up on this thing, right? On, like hike my hip to get on it. Yeah, I don't like that <laughs> because I'm like. In here, we roll around the ground. We, do, we teach get-ups. Yeah. Get-ups are getting up off the ground. How do you get up off the ground with a load? How do you roll? How do you move the body to get up efficiently? And if I just spent every day, well, once a day, every day of my life, getting up off the ground just once, what would be different? You know, from a, if I was laying on, the, on a mattress camping, like every day I'd have to get up to start my day, not fall out of bed or roll out yeah. of it, right? Completely different neurological pattern that goes on Definitely. straight away the first thing it's like if you're like dizzy as you get up out of bed and you and it's like dark and you like fall into whatever <laughs> like you're gonna hurt yourself your body's gonna become better at getting up as a result of that threat yeah. <laughs> if you get up dizzy yeah. or you get up and you don't have a good connection with the ground you're gonna fall over yeah. in the dark <laughs> yeah we, we we're really big on that because i spent a bit of time doing aged care in, in a residential um, aged care places doing physio and the ma majority of people ended up there because of a fall and they never regained their independence and people fall because they have a very poor relationship with the ground mm. and obviously very poor balance yeah and um so yeah throughout the seminar it's a, it's a big thing that i'm very passionate about is getting people more confident and comfortable moving and just living on the ground and mm. and get ups are a big part of that and I suppose, you know, there's hanging from the from in one sense of stabilizing in like an overhead position. I'm a really big fan of crawling and those sort of get-ups and rotational movements where the shoulder's stabilizing through, um, you know, either a small little range into flexion extension or even just through um, ranges of rotation through, you know, like a Turkish get-up movement mm. or like a um, tripod transition and things like that. So is that, that would form a big part of what you do as well by yes. the sound of it? So to go along with the handstands, right, you got mm. straight arm, uh, sorry, handstands and, and the pulling or hanging. You got straight arm hanging, which is pulling, and then you got handstands, which is straight arm pushing. Yeah. So, you know, you can... Love both. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How I look to um, restore people's relationship with their shoulders is, first of all, get them to do both of those things. Uh, just getting into a good hanging position for some people, you know, full flexion of the arm overhead, that's firstly the challenge. So yeah. hanging might not even be a thing for three to six months sometimes. Um, yeah. And even handstands then, but building that capacity is probably the first really good foundation for people to learn learn from and to move from. Um, I love kettlebell arm bars. I love using kettlebells. Um, used them for like the last 10 years. So 
arm bars. I'll, I might show you them later and yeah. if you haven't already seen them. But yeah, they, they were kind of a saviour for me, kettlebell arm bar. Okay. Uh, it can be done pretty poorly, but if you're um, trying to restore your shoulder health, you know, lateral stabilisation... Uh, so it's where is you it lay like down. Doing laying down and sort of rotating the kettlebell. Is that uh, right? you're laying down on your side with the kettlebell out out from you. Yeah, right? so okay. Your arm is vertical. Yeah. So the imminent threat is the kettlebell landing on your head. Yeah, yeah. So it's that's a where good you, thing to prevent. It's where your shoulder has to. <laughs> I like that, right? Yeah. And, and uh, when I because I use the armbar to rehabilitate my shoulder, my shoulder strength, my shoulder connection, my relationship with my shoulder. Knowing that literally there's a there's a greater threat here. If I don't hold this up, there's a greater threat. Mm. <laughs> it's like it's cr- going to crush my head. <laughs> um, so that was that was the exercise that I really used to build my relationship, like individual relationship. Because hanging and handstands are like, um, I've, I've got one guy. He doesn't know which shoulder is worse. So which one's the the one that you're working from, right? You don't, mm. don't really know. So um, with the armbar, you can work each shoulder individually and, yeah. and see what's going on there. Yeah, I um, gotcha. But I do like like you know closed chain stuff where it's the ground stable, the bar stable, and you just work from that symmetrically. Um, they're the, probably the three basic things. And then a whole lot of stick exercises. So, I mean, all your, building up all your, your scapular muscles is a big part of it, mm-hmm. huge part of it, because everyone's strong at the front, short at the front, long and weak at the back these days. Um, so just understanding how, yeah, how people should move. Uh, it go, it goes back to like traditional style of training. So in the gym, what I was taught as a PT, I almost had to forget all of that. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Like, <laughs> yeah, like I I haven't done a bench press for for a long time. You know, like it's not because I don't want to build my pecs up, but. <laughs> I just don't, I don't need to do that these days to my dad. But yeah, like traditional exercise and how they were taught and for the, the means that they were taught as well. Like, and it goes back to the, the, the outcome that most people are looking for when they enter a gym. It's like, I'm going to build my muscles. Yeah. I'm going to work on my muscles. It's like, okay, the muscles are just the last part of the system to work. They're the workhorses controlled by all this other information that's going on or off. So... Um, yeah, like people are doing all these old school exercises, you know, whether it's bench or flies or pull downs, you know, all on machine stuff. Yeah. And it's like isolated, rep- repetitive, yeah. linear. Just trying to get the burn. Yeah. Pump it up, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Feel the pump. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not teaching their brain anything. Yeah. Except how to make that muscle stronger in whatever that muscle is is role its role yeah and is that, that muscle specific movement pattern is yeah is a people talk a lot about releasing muscles and all this sort of stuff and it's like well what if you release a muscle and it's but its role is to hold you together because it doesn't some other muscle isn't doing its role mm. so you're almost adding to your issue by releasing if you release the wrong muscle for example yeah so it's like if you're in the gym and you've got muscles that you're pumping up and getting stronger and stronger and what about the muscles that aren't necessarily doing what they're supposed to do but even it's like if you've got any scar tissue or injuries or you know you rolled an ankle once but time you're doing squats with one inch heels on and you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. those nike squishy nike shoes yeah yeah <laughs> like oh, don't get me started car crash waiting to happen <laughs> um yeah like that just is cringeworthy. You mm. see people kind of squatting those, and it's like, what? Then their ankles don't know what they're supposed to be doing. They're just wobbling around. It's like it's trying to wobbling. squat on a foam foam mat or something. Yeah, 
I should actually have some in here just to test people out. Yeah. <laughs> should I squat on this? Now yeah. try a squat on flat ground. What's better? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's point we're, proven. We actually did that the other day because it was cold. People kept their shoes on at 6 a.m. They kept them on yeah. just a little bit for the warm-up. And we're just doing like balance exercise. They're like, wow, this is, this is a lot harder. Yeah. Because they don't, they don't have barefoot shoes, shoes mm. yet. Um, and in I here, like the yet. There. In here, <laughs> in here we're not, I don't normally um, say like, we don't, uh, they don't have to wear shoes, so... So a lot of people train barefoot usually. Yeah, yeah. Usually, yeah. usually Sweet. it's barefoot. Um, awesome. Because, well, although these days I can see what people's toes are doing, even if they are wearing shoes. Yeah. Um, you know, you develop that eye. Um, but yeah, like some people do try to hide. Well, they're not intentionally, but they, they, your toes are a big giveaway about how the rest of the system is about to do what it's going to do. Yeah. Whether it's going to fall over or whether it's yeah. going to be strong. Yeah, it's a giveaway about your weight distribution yeah. and your arch control and everything. Yeah. So you know that if the foot isn't doing what it's supposed to do, nothing else is going to be doing what it's yeah. supposed to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so do you, do you do like much specific foot work in your classes or, or do you, I mean, obviously you bring people's attention to the feet um, as like the primary point of stability by the sound of it um, and some balance stuff as well. Um, do you do you integrate it and if so how do you find people's response to that because you know there is that big narrative in our in our society of feet need support and um, you know arch control and all of this stuff do you find you you run into barriers or or other people who are coming here um, sort of already pretty open-minded to that kind of thing yeah good question um, are they open-minded to it and I don't think they're closed-minded to it, mm -hmm. um, but they just it hasn't been a thing in traditional like exercise yeah. um, regime. So like most people come in and first thing is like when I'm if I'm doing an assessment with them, it's like okay, shoes off, so I can kind of see what's going on. Um, and I'll literally in a couple of minutes just show them a, a, an exercise that will completely change how like their relationship with their foot. Yeah. And from then on, they're just like, whoa, <laughs> like. Why, why did that happen? How can that happen? Why am I now stronger? Why do I feel lighter? You know, if you want to lose 10 kilos, well, just fix your feet. Yeah. <laughs> You'll feel lighter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, the whole world would, would be a happier place. So that's, that's, where, that's where it starts. And then, you know, then it's more reinforcement with like toe spaces and things like that. Yeah. Um, I give them to everybody that comes through here. And, you know, it's just you spend five minutes walking with a pair of them on, take them off and you can still feel the effects. Yeah. So it's not like that kind of buy-in from people is like, it's not me telling them. It's just, hey, try this. Just feeling it. And you oh. tell me what the what you like about it. Right? Yeah. If you don't like it, okay, fair cool. That's so huge actually. And, and that experiential learning, I think is really the only way the body can, mm. well, the body and brain really can learn. Um, like even if someone tells you something and you believe it, you don't really know it until you feel it, I think. Yeah. You know, it's like someone trying to describe what avocado tastes like and you're like, oh, yeah, it tastes, sounds like it tastes really good, but you don't really know until you taste it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I heard that somewhere. I That's a good I can't one. remember where. Like but um, so true. And it's like when people, you know, people might look at the beam and be like, oh, what, you're just balancing on a beam. Like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, yeah, what are you doing? They, and then they go on a beam and they're like, oh. I get it. Like it's making my foot work in all these ways and my hips and it's hard as, yeah, yeah. and it's fun. Um, but they don't know that until they get on really. Um, so yeah, no, that's, that's a really good point. And I do find as well that most people are pretty, 
are pretty open-minded to the concept as long as you just explain things very simply you know it's just like we weren't born with shoes on mm. we didn't spend the most like the biggest part of our evolution with shoes yeah they're a modern invention and physio like you just keep it very simple to like fundamentals and people are like oh yeah true huh i never thought about it like that there you go yeah. <laughs> when, when they say yeah that makes sense yeah it's like, like, oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah all this all these stuff we have to this knowledge we have to have to undo you know historical yeah truths we have to undo that before we can then relay new foundations that's hard that's half the journey is half the challenge right so much of it is just unlearning stuff that you've been taught yeah. by this the system like you said unlearning some of the pt stuff and i have to i had to unlearn some physio stuff or, or at least broaden the perspective and see you know maybe why they taught this but how that doesn't actually make sense in certain mm. contexts or how it's missing certain contexts and um that is, that is really huge and, and it's yeah unlearning stuff and then just experiencing something so that you can go oh that makes sense to me. It resonates. I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the biggest part of like in here when people come in and we start going through all this stuff and they have those moments where it's like, wow, that, that makes sense. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that, that's what it should be based on. But it's um, uh, for a lot of people in the first six to eight weeks of like movement or strength training, when they're under, or trying to understand these concepts, it's like, they don't leave here physically sweaty, but they leave here like neurologically fried. Yeah. Because it's just those synapses are just firing and wiring and just being challenged. And you're just like, what, what's just, what just happened? Yeah. Because <laughs> it's skill learning. It's not just working out. Yeah. I think that's the, bi- that's the big thing and, and what I really value a lot in places like this and approaches mm. like yours is it's not just teaching someone to be strong. It's teaching them skills that can serve them for life and can also adapt to other things that they want to learn. Yeah, yeah 100%. Their adaptability. It's skills and principles. Yeah. Principles that can be applicable to any situation. Mm-hmm. Although I really like thinking or telling people like, hey, although we do movement work, like uh, we, don't, we don't call it warm-ups. We call it preparation. Yeah. Prepare to do whatever you're about to do. Mm-hmm. And preparing to do a deadlift is going to be different to preparing to jump or run, right? Um, so it's preparing the system in different ways. And <laughs> why I've got responsibility on the wall up there is like, it's not so much responsibility, it's res- being response-able. Yeah, yeah. So like if, if you're in a situation outside of these four walls where it's an emergency or something, you need to act you need to be able to respond. Can you? Mm-hmm. Now it's a huge part for me in my life when I got to a point in life where I'm like, I'm helpless here. Hopeless and helpless. Because mm. I was physically not able in a state to help anyone, not even help myself, if I got into a situation. Yeah. So it's like, well, what, what, is this what the re- like rest of my life, 25-year-old, is this what the rest, no, 70, 80 years is going to be like for me? Hopefully, <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> yeah. um, if you're lucky. <laughs> and that was a that was that was just a big question I had to ask of myself uh, and of what I was doing to then start to look into. Okay, what are the what are the fundamentals here that I'm missing that I've missed, and that's that's where it starts. It's got to start there for everybody. Yeah, because no one thinks anything will happen to them. Any kind of emergency situation will happen until it does happen, mm. and then you've either got the response of, geez, I'm glad I was 
able to respond there or mm. geez I wish I was able to respond there mm. um, and you know there's so many factors that come into that but having at least a robust physical system with you know some confidence and, and things like that is a good foundation um, you know and, and inoculating yourself to a bit of stress here and there and actually putting yeah. yourself in outside of your comfort zone regularly so that when something forces itself upon you that is outside your comfort zone then your nervous system doesn't freak out completely and you can actually have like you said you can actually have an ability to respond yeah yeah i like uh, it's funny the the biggest issue i find is gardening for gardening. people that destroys people the most ah. because they're moving for usually a couple of hours moving for a couple of hours which is number one completely di different from what they normally do yeah and then in awkward positions usually on the ground which is again is different which they're not used to yeah right? then it's like either moving something plants pots wheelbarrow something heavy moving dirt moving awkward objects which again number three they're not used to doing that yeah and then practice any of those things <laughs> I cringe when somebody says, oh, I was gardening on the weekend and then, yeah. then this happened. Yeah, no, you're right. That is classic. That is the amount of times people have come in for physio sessions, oh, I was gardening, yeah. you know, I spent a big day my back gardening. Back went out. Yeah. Or <laughs> That's classic. Did a knee or, yeah, did my yeah. shoulder. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, gardening is a funny one. <laughs> yeah. So we, we like to think about preparing people to, to garden. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a great thing to be able to prepare for and, and, and if your body is ready for it, it's like the ultimate... Well, I'm not going to say the ultimate, but it's an amazing movement practice gardening because you're squatting, you're lifting, you're moving on the ground, you're bending, you're yeah. um, you know do, carrying, and mm. like and you're and you're working in nature, in sunlight, in fresh air, and and actually you know tending to something and caring for something. So it's an amazing movement practice, and you know the the most functional. Older, elderly people that I know, including my grandma, one of my grandmas, they've just gardened their whole life and they just have cool. gotten really good at gardening. And uh, actually, there was one, one um, lady in the residential aged care place that I worked with. She was, uh, I think she was 100 or she was turning 100 that year. And I was like, you know, we used to have good chats. She was very with it, very mentally with it. Um, and I was like, you know, what's your secret? And she's like, oh... I just gardened a lot. That's awesome. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's so true. That is spot on. Um, and, you know, obviously you had a connection with food, growing your own food and, you know, all the things that come come with that. But, um, yeah, I think, that, I think that's pretty key. But also I was just speaking of stuff written on your wall, there's, you know, there's a few words there. And also I was looking at your... Um, like code of conduct that earn the right code oh, yeah, of conduct yeah, over there yeah, okay. and, uh, you know lots of really good points on there I don't know if you memorize it off by heart but um, you don't have to read it out um, <laughs> but there was a few things that really popped out to me and uh, one of which was um, around cultivating self-awareness that self-awareness allows you to solve problems mm -hmm. um, and also I noticed that there was two points one at the top one well not at the very top but like you know one higher up and one lower down and both said, I have fun. Yeah, yeah. There's actually three of them. <laughs> is it three? Oh, I missed the third one. Oh, dear. And fun is, um, fun is written up in big letters uh, on the left here on, next to the Earn the Right logo as well. So mm. uh, we're obviously big on play at, at the Foot Collective at TFC. Like a big part of what we want to do is make movement and balance 
and foot training more fun so that people actually do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I do, that's a big part of why we like working with facilities like yours that are community focused, but also are not just about working out. It's about yeah connecting and having fun and also building that self-awareness. So, I mean, there's probably a lot in that, but I don't know whether whether you'd want to to speak to that. I, I realize we're sort of coming up on time soon, but um, the self awareness part is mm, what's that about? I mean, the very first point on that is remove the ego, mm-hmm. right? Leave the ego at the door, right? And um, with the ego can can come a lot of either ignorance or avoidance. So, either ignoring pain or avoiding pain. Yeah. Yep. And I am a firm believer that everything, polar opposites, you can't have one without the other. You can't have happiness without sadness. Mm-hmm. So if you're sad, don't neglect it. Like, be aware of it and acknowledge that. And then only after you've been sad can you then have a perspective on what happiness is then. Mm. But if you're always expected to be happy, then you have nothing to compare with. Like, your life will always just be this neutral <laughs> like existence nothingness <laughs> exactly yeah. right? so then it is just nothing yeah the duality yeah correct and that's where like um you know in in here building that self-awareness like hey just because you can't do something now doesn't mean you're not gonna be able to do it later and at the same time you can't do it now right and respect that respect that this is where you're at mm. oh but they're doing that they're doing this oh no 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 this is you you you're here you know, don't worry about what other people are doing. And that's the ego coming out, right? Mm-hmm. It's like constantly comparing, trying to deflect, like, you know, um, huge thing in, in traditional gyms. Like there's mirrors everywhere. You can see everybody in the gym just from wherever you are. <laughs> and anytime our eye is always attracted to movement. Isn't that a funny thing? Yeah. Like always attracted always. to movement. Huh. Something moves in the corner of your eye, you want to look at it. Yeah, what's that? Regardless of where, whether they're wearing Gymshark gear or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so you'll always naturally just watch other people. It's people watching. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Um, so with that becomes a lot of like subconscious comparison in traditional means in terms of fitness and all that, what people are striving for. So building that self-awareness to be like, oh, hey, I'm, you know, you're checking yourself when or if that's happening. It's like... Are you, what's going on behind the, the eyes, right? Like, are you beating yourself up for not being as good as that person? As good being bunny ears, like, who says what's good? Um, are you beating yourself up for that? Or are you, is it a, is it a positive conversation that you're having with yourself first? Mm. So that's mm. what that self-awareness is about, yeah. right? And for me, when I was in a lot of pain, kept beating myself up for... You can't do anything. You can't do this. You can't do that. No, you better not do that. You're too weak to do that. Yeah. It's just this negative cycle. The, the one day that it all changed for me was when I stopped thinking I was broken and I just accepted the level of strength that I had. So that was just completely not paying attention to what other people were doing and just started looking at my own stuff and focused on that. And that's where the self-awareness comes from. So um, in here, we don't have any mirrors. We've got one little one in the corner. And uh, <laughs> that's just to help people know where they're at. <laughs> I'm going to go yeah, check myself out. Yeah, later. yeah. No, no mirrors. So, uh, you know, <laughs> you don't have that all that stuff going on. Um, the fun part comes in with like 
<laughs> having fun while you're exercising, exercising, moving, lifting, whatever it is. And fun's different for different people. So yeah, we can have sure. conversational fun. <laughs> we can play jokes fun. We can play games fun. Monopoly. <laughs> exactly. Um, people's fun is different. Like, you know, we'll have a birthday party and people are like, why can't we just go to the pub? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no, we're going to do something. We're going to go like play golf or like, do something. So yeah, people's fun is different. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's trying to just uh, keep people understanding that this isn't a chore. Yeah, that they That's should huge. have to go and do every day. It's like it should be just built into your day, daily movement. Um, and if it is fun, then yeah, like people will con- hopefully continue to do it. Yeah, it depends on what people think is fun. Yeah, people, yeah. People think, yeah, people think benching, bench pressing hundred kilos ten times is fun. Some people do yeah. exactly. Yeah. So it, yeah. it, it is very dependent subjective. on what people's yeah. fun is. You know, once upon a time, smashing myself with a ten-kilometer run was fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> These days, really? <laughs> yeah. getting a seven-hour sleep is fun. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, true. Yeah, it changes with the seasons. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. but uh, you know, fun, it, it does change through people's lives as well because yeah. as they grow and evolve, then you know, fun does become different, which yeah. is cool as well. Yeah, but movement really is. Like there are a lot of different ways to have fun, um, but movement really is, I guess, like the origi ditch, like in terms of play, like kids, like we, I like to use the analogy, or the analogy, like the example of if you put a bunch of kids without their devices, um, you know, put them in a natural setting, Mm. And you leave them to their own devices, not their iPads and stuff, but they just have just nature there. They're just going to start moving around. They're going to chuck stuff. They're going to climb trees. They're going to you know, do this. And our bodies reward us. Our brains literally reward us with chemicals, like reward chemicals that make us feel good for moving and playing yeah. and, and connecting. And so you know, when you, you combine all of the above into a facility and a community, um, like what you've got and like what we're building with TFC is it's a very powerful medium for people to improve their health in a way that isn't a chore because it, health is so, is so seen as this chore, as this like, oh yeah, I should be healthy, I should go and exercise, I should do this. And it's like, no, no, I want to. I yeah. want to go and play in the park with my friends. And Shooting I w- all over it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, um, well, actually, we do have to wrap it up now. We've come up on time. I'm sure we could have chat- chatted for a couple of hours. Yeah, but absolutely. Might have to do a follow-up follow up one next time um i usually say that to all the guests because it's so true like that when it's if you're like-minded with someone <laughs> and you've you know you've got similar journeys or even different journeys and you could just talk about stuff forever but um we'll wrap this one up here um i guess you know a little sign out of just what's the best place for people to find you um you know instagram yeah just instagram is probably the easiest yeah. and best um that's where i put out most of my content Sweet. um so yeah just Instagram. So, so you've got, and Instagram is earn the right. Uh, so there's two Instagrams that I have. One's the shoulder, shoulder guy, guy. Yeah. and then earn the right as well. So yeah. obviously if they're in Perth, they can look at earn the right. If yeah. they're uh, elsewhere. Out, elsewhere around the world, then they can check out shoulder guy stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you're, is there, do you want to um, just plug anything that you're working on? Like I know you run the workshops with the shoulder guy um, and you were mentioning potentially putting something online as well yeah so in the last four months well since the last lockdown or the big lockdown that we had yeah since covid hit right uh 
obviously the world changed really quickly. So yep. I started working on my online resources and uh, it's, I really recognize it because when COVID hit, I had like a whole lot of people asking me like for online coaching calls and things like this. And I'm like, I ended up repeating myself every single time. Oh yeah. I'm like, I can't keep doing this for the next 10 years. So I put it all online and basically everything that I take people through right from the found, like zero, the foundation, breathing mechanics and rib cage position, all that sort of stuff. It's all in there now. So I've built that online course and just about to launch it. So hopefully, Epic. hopefully it'll launch in July. Sweet. Um, oh, that's soon. Yeah. I've just got a few more, um, like there are a few more of the promo videos to put together, which, uh, you know, when I get the spare hour, I can yeah, yeah. try to get it done. So yeah. yeah and that's, uh, yeah, I'm super excited for that because it's, it's going to help people to that are asking those questions. Yeah. They're like, why am I still in pain after I've done all this, 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 this? Yeah. It's like, why am I still having this issue? Yeah. And hopefully this is going to be, this is going to have the answers Sweet. for a lot of people. So the best place to follow along for that is the shoulder guy? Yeah, the shoulder guy, Instagram. Yeah. Um, and if people are in Perth and they want to uh, want to come down and check out what we do at Earn the Right, then by all means, yeah, just reach out through either Facebook, Instagram, yeah. social media is easiest, or the website, you can go there. It's yeah. old, old school too. Cool. <laughs> we'll, we'll link all that stuff in the show notes yeah, anyway, yeah, so okay, it's easy cool. to find. And um, yeah, man, thanks for the chat. No worries, and man. Thank thanks you. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Catch Cheers. you next week. See ya.